0: Welcome to episode 611 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by TheDigitalMediaZone.com. I'm Josh Pollard.
1: And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Hey, Josh. Hey,
0: welcome back.
1: Welcome back. We're we're doing pretty well so far in 2023, two in a row. Let's keep this up.
0: Uh, three in a row, if you count the uh, the, the gaming episode last Let's night.
1: not keep that up.
0: <laughs> I'm going to bet that you didn't even listen to it, did you? I
1: totally listened to it. What are you, you talking about?
0: Okay. I always listen to our show. I didn't figure you'd listen to the gaming-specific one. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so now I'm going to quiz you on it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, instead, we're going to jump into listener feedback, And this one comes to us from John, and he's really writing to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, fine. Whatever, John.
0: Right. John says, hi, Josh. It was fun to hear about your treadmill marathon training. I did the same thing when I was training for the Disney marathon back in 2009. I started by getting the American film top 100 movies and watching those that I was interested in then moving on to watching Star Trek Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Each of these series was seven real seasons long, with about 49 episodes each. I remember one day I ran on the treadmill for five and a half hours. I'm a huge introvert, so this really wasn't a problem at all. He says a word of caution a couple of years later, I needed to get a new treadmill. The old one was too heavy for me to get out of the basement, so I decided to take it apart and remove it piece by piece. Imagine my surprise when I saw that the steel that held the deck to the front part had almost completely sheared in half. <laughs> that would not have been a good wow. time if it had given away, given way while I was running on it. In the end, the marathon went fine. And I really enjoy the fact that I've run twenty six point two miles on a treadmill. Wow, John, like watching shows while I'm running on the treadmill definitely makes it better, but I still don't think I could do it for five and a half hours on a treadmill. <laughs> oh my gosh maybe I don't know um I, th- for me to do that length, I think I would need i would need to like move my treadmill so that I could really be watching on a TV instead of my iPad so that I could see better because that's the thing that I was thinking about is John said that he was working through the uh, the American film top 100 movies like those are legit movies that you want to be able to see really well so while you're running back and forth for five and a half hours might not be the most ideal viewing experience but it worked it got him through it and I'm hoping for similar things for me.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I'm still stuck on his math of 49 episodes. I don't know how he got to that number because at seven seasons of about 24 episodes a season, we're looking more at like 160 to 170 episodes, but I don't mean to pick nits.
0: Well, is he maybe saying that each season is 49 episodes if you combine Next Generation and Deep Space Nine?
1: Oh, well, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Okay. You're looking at them as a consolidated thing together. Okay, got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. That's
0: the only way I can make the math work. <laughs>
1: that does work. That math does work in a weird sort of way. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. I got gotcha. you.
0: All right. Well, he sent us that feedback using our email address, which is entertainment 20 com. if you'd like to send us some feedback for a future episode. But we're gonna roll right into the news. Some of the stuff is just recent news, and some of it's a little bit of catch up from uh c e s stories that we might have missed because we recorded before the show was completely over. I wanna start with more of an industry story though that that I find really interesting from uh from from the perspective of live t v regardless of how you're getting it so uh we're we're gonna link to a story. Where the headline is all but six of 2022's top 100 TV broadcast were sports. 82 of them were NFL games. So all but six. So there were only six. Epi- six anything that that wasn't a sports episode uh, in in the top 100 most watched broadcast last year. And the only only one that was in the top 20 that wasn't sports was president Biden's state of the union. Mm. That's I I feel a little bit validated here because (laughs) I regularly say on this show that it seems like the only real reason to have uh, a, a traditional style TV package, whether that's cable TV or one of the online streaming services like YouTube TV or Hulu with live TV, any of those is if you care about live sports or news for anything else, like the way that we have Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and all of these other services for watching standard TV shows, but well, why would you use cable for that anymore? And, and why would you hold yourself to those viewing schedules? Which isn't obviously always the case with a traditional TV service. You could be DVRing it and watching it later. But man, this really makes me wonder, might this lead to, um, these, these TV services, obviously not broadcast TV, but these like cable and and those sorts of things scaling back on the amount of non sports channels.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's almost the same effect as news stations not programming news because people don't show up anymore so they program opinion shows instead right i mean it, they're what you're talking about is giving people more of what they want well cuz yeah. they clearly want the footballs
0: for sure but also uh, a lot of the way this has worked over the the past well forever is they load up all of these other channels, kind of more from just a, a to to make it work financially. So, I I don't know. Like, do we just stop loading up those channels, and, and do do cable services start providing fewer total channels because no one's watching that stuff anyway?
1: No, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Again, you're talking about live stuff. We're not talking about. Programmed content. You're talking about live content. Most of the channels on any cable or cable equivalent are programmed content, not live content.
0: Right. Right. Uh, But I don't know that this was distinguishing it between live and programmed. Um,
1: I thought the story was specifically about live programming.
0: I suppose that's possible, but still. Almost entirely sports. And and part of that, of course, is we also had the Olympics last year, and there was a FIFA World Cup tournament, and those both factored in, unfortunately, not a single hockey game made the top 100, <laughs> not even the Stanley Cup finals, which were amazing this year.
1: <laughs> so I guess the other thing that you could take from this is that this could potentially validate Companies' arguments that they should be able to charge a premium for sport con- sports content because it is in high demand, right? Supply and demand kind of thing. So maybe, yeah, you can get the sports, but now you're going to have to pay for them. Oh, like through a streaming service, like some of the, some of the, Um, leagues or whatever you call them are starting to arrange with various streaming offerings.
0: Right. Like the, the NHL's package through ESPN plus. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it also helps us segue right into the next story. And that is that Fubo TV, one of these live cable uh, replacement sort of streaming services that started as a sports-centric streaming service, is raising its prices. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that long ago that they raised they're their prices. Y- yep, <laughs> yep, they're doing it again. They're usually the first. They are usually the first, which, uh, yeah. yeah. So so how long until we see Hulu raise theirs? and And how much longer before we see YouTube raise the cost of theirs? And then Sling. Now, I think Sling was the last one to raise theirs. So hopefully they're just going to follow a similar cycle where it'll be, you know, the, the next one will be the one that raised it first after Fubo last year. But yeah, it was just last spring, the last time that, that Fubo increased their prices. Now, it's not a huge jump this, this year. It's five bucks. So the base plan is going up to $75 a month. Which is a lot. And the content is changing a little bit, which probably factors into this a little bit. So, Fubo, again, very sports centric service, is gaining the Bally regional sports networks. So, most major markets have a regional sports network. There's a few different ones. Uh, Bali used to be the Fox Sports ones. Uh, so it's not every market has a Bally Sports channel, but it's probably a third to half of the major sports markets use Bally as those uh, as their provider. So I know that Detroit uses Bally for the Red Wings and Pistons and Tigers content. So you are gaining that, which is good, but you're also losing AMC. So you're, you're losing content at about the same time as you're gaining content. Now, if you're on Fubo because of sports, then maybe you don't care that you're losing AMC, but it is kind of a bummer that prices are going up at the same time as you are actually losing some content.
1: Yeah, and AMC, as a reminder, is all of the Walking Dead series and
0: spin-offs. Right. Is there anything else on AMC that's popular anymore?
1: It used to be so popular. A bunch of Anne Rice stuff now. And I'm currently watching A Discovery of Witches, but I think that's done already. Yeah, there's, I mean, they still put a lot of original content out. So I would consider that a fair loss.
0: Yeah. Well, that stinks. And I guess we'll just be waiting to see who the next service is to raise their prices. Well, let's move into Plex, and this is actually a CES-related story. Plex was there again this year, and not a massive announcement. In fact, it's not even actually a new one. This is a a feature that Plex announced in 2020. Kind of a bad year, though, uh, for basically everybody, and that feature is the ability to start renting movies through Plex. So Plex already has a massive collection of free ad-supported content, movies and TV shows. But if you want to watch something brand new, if you want to watch Top Gun Maverick, you got to pay for it. And now, well, not exactly yet, but soon, hopefully, you will have the ability to rent content directly through Plex, which I think is an important feature to add to the service that they continue to try to make the center of your entertainment experience. And with the, the, the base functionality being that you can store all of your own content on a server, then they've added all of this free ad supported stuff. They added live TV and DVR functionality a few years ago. And now the ability to rent movies, there's not that much missing from this platform anymore.
1: Yeah. I couldn't care less about this <laughs> I, I i really couldn't this is this i think you know how i feel about plex trying to be the center of your entertainment universe they're late to the game there's already apple tv there's already netflix there's already all of these other services where you can either subscribe to rent or purchase content so this is a me too. This is not terribly interesting to me. And I don't imagine I would ever use it.
0: Well, and you're not going to use it because if your primary device is the Apple TV, then it's already baked into the Apple TV experience.
1: Right. And I could rent it from Apple or Amazon or Google or half a dozen other services that are already on my
0: device. Right. And- the same is mostly true on my nvidia shield and the same is basically true on amazon fire devices and roku devices but if they're trying to keep you all in one place and i i think think the the one thing that helps here is that plex does have a really good search feature a really good watch list feature and so you could add a movie to your watch list before it's available anywhere, and then once it's available to rent, you'd be able to do that right from within Plex. And if you're in Plex sure. all the time, then it's a, in theory, going to be a very easy rental experience.
1: Sure, <laughs> I, I just think they're delusional if they think anyone but geeks is using Plex as the only place they go on their television.
0: I, yeah, I, I
1: well, I have I, no I, evidence. I, I, I doubt there's no anybody
0: data. that's using Plex as the only thing, of course, but it, it makes a pretty solid case for itself in a lot of areas. I, frankly, I, I think still the biggest problem is that while the the watch list and search functionality is great, there's still not a great way to really go from the search in plex to a streaming app like netflix or something like that depending on the platform you're watching or watching from so on some of them it works fine on some of them it doesn't work at all like if if you are using a, a computer instead of your phone or a tv streaming box so it all just depends yep i i i'm with you like from the perspective of, I'm probably not going to use this very often because I don't spend that much time in Plex anymore. But I still think it it it's a smart add to, it's a smart addition to their their future future offerings. But anybody listening to this should go and and check out the the story that we link to in the show notes because it sounds like in 2020. They basically focused all of their engineering resources on adding this and continuing to expand their free ad-supported streaming offerings. And...
1: 2022, you mean? No,
0: in 2020. Because they first 20? announced this rental feature in at CES in 2020. And then they ran up against a ton of technical hurdles, uh, mostly around DRM and a bunch of licensing issues. So tons of problems there that they were trying to address. Plus, they were really focusing a lot on the free ad-supported stuff. And the the, the free ad-supported streaming has also been a major focus in 2021 and 2022. And I think that those are decent services. I, I think they're good services. And if I, I everyone who listens to this a lot knows that I'm not a big consumer of the free ad supported streaming services from anybody. But if I'm going to use one, I'm probably going to use Plex for it because I think it is done pretty well. So I understand why they're putting a lot of effort into that, but it still feels like if if they're largely focusing on that, that they're not really focusing on a lot of their core functionality that uh longtime users might be looking for. They're not working, uh, they're not putting as much resources behind improving the live TV and DVR service, which could still use a fair amount of work, in my opinion. I or, bet I know why. Or other new features. Why do you think that is?
1: Because they can't generate revenue.
0: Well, they are a business. <laughs> right.
1: Right? I, yeah. These features, they likely take a small percentage of mm. every rental or per- potentially Of views for advertising. I don't know. But I I want to go back to something that you said a little while ago, because I'm surprised by it. You said that these days you're not in Flex all that often. Why is that?
0: Well, two major reasons. One is, as is not surprising to anybody, I just don't watch that much TV anymore. And two is I've kind of gotten away from the the idea of buying physical media and ripping it because it's such a pain now because if if i want to watch something i want to watch it in 4k and and, and i get the purists who are going to be like yeah well your streaming 4k isn't real 4k yeah i get it like a, a 4k blu-ray definitely looks better absolutely i can tell the difference between a 4k blu-ray disc and a 4k stream online most of the time but it's darn near impossible to rip 4K Blu-rays right now, <laughs> and they take up so much space, and it, it's just not worth the effort for me anymore.
1: I think it's. I, I honestly think you're overstating the complexity of it, but i I think the the thing that we've been doing all these years is so outbalanced by the incredible convenience of just being able to bring it up somewhere and it's available, oh, by the way, in Dolby Atmos, which I still can't do in Plex. And (laughs) I'd much rather have that experience and maybe a little imperceptible difference in like bit depth in terms of what I'm seeing on the screen.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Like that is the thing. It is just... So much simpler to go into a, a, one of the many services that you rattled off for rentals or purchases and just buy it that way.
1: Right. Or any of the many places where so many of the movies that we already own in our own libraries are now just there. Yeah. They're just available to watch on Disney or Hulu or right. whatever else you're already subscribed to.
0: Yeah. Uh, And and even a a lot of my family, you know, if if Jen is going to sit down and watch a movie, it's almost for sure going to be a Marvel movie. And why go out and buy those when they're all on Disney Plus? Right. Right. (laughs) So it just doesn't make that much sense for me anymore. Unfortunately, it would that might be different if I watched more TV and was then using it as my live TV DVR situation. But I'm not. So. Yeah.
1: I, I will say that we still use Plex quite a bit. I do like the um, the whole friends library thing. Mm-hmm. I have found that it's easier to find and play music from my music library that I have on the server downstairs. It's easier to do that on Plex than it is through anything else that I could possibly use for that. So we do still use it quite a bit.
0: even. Easier than Apple Music?
1: Oh, (laughs) yeah, let's not even go down the Apple Music path right now. We're not friends right now. Siri and I, we're not talking.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, you seem like you might be trying to get us to segue because you keep providing excellent ones because we're going to go to audio news now, although not in the Apple space. Instead, we're going to start in the Android space. And that is. That with the new slash next version of Android, Android 13, they are going to be providing an interesting new way of shifting where you're listening to your music. So uh, a lot of us, this is very obviously specifically focused on starting with your phone. So you've got your Android phone. You're listening to something on Spotify or YouTube music. Maybe you're listening in your car on your way home from work. You get out of uh, through Google or through Android Auto. You get out of your car. You walk in the house. Your phone recognizes that you have a Nest Hub Max on your kitchen counter, and you're in your kitchen preparing to cook dinner. And now, when this feature is available in the little notification shade for Spotify or YouTube Music, it will give you an option to say, "Do you want to move this music over to that Nest Hub?" Max display, just quick tap of a button, it switches. You finish eating dinner, you finish cleaning the kitchen. Now you're in your living room. It knows about Chromecast on your TV that you're nearby. And again, it's a quick tap on it, the notification on your phone to switch the audio to be playing back through your TV sound system. This sounds awesome. Does Apple have a feature like this already? It seems sort like of. they would. Sort
1: of. They have the ability to uh, jump music from your device to a HomePod, for example. There isn't anything that lets you get it to an Apple TV right now. Mm -hmm. That would be a nice feature. I remember, if I I remember correctly, that Spotify Connect actually provided a similar capability across platforms when they first came out with the ability to have your music kind of go from one place to the next because it was all coming from your Spotify account. The fact that now Android is embracing this and bringing it into the platform so it works across multiple providers, I think is brilliant. And I'd love to see this or something similar to this in the Apple ecosystem. I think ultimately at some point in time, we should get to the point where I get out of my car, I'm in my home at certain under certain conditions. Like what time of day is it or where am I going in my home or who else is home, I should or what's already on, maybe I should be able to have it so that it just automatically follows me from one place to another without even having to prompt me, do you want this.
0: Yeah, and I get the impression that that is the direction they're trying to go with this and And one thing that I probably didn't make clear enough is that they're using multiple technologies, like ultra-wideband technology, uh, Wi-Fi things, to know which devices you're close to. So that it'll know that I'm in my kitchen next to the the Nest Hub. It'll know when I'm in the living room next to the Chromecast-enabled TV. So uh, I would guess that we're not that far away from from what you're describing, Richard. And and also, if I didn't make it clear, Spotify Connect is also part of this. So this, while they're largely saying Bluetooth and Chromecast enabled devices right now, because Spotify Connect is part of this, it would also work for things that have been less friendly to Google, like (laughs) Sonos. (laughs) Frenemies. Yeah. I'm not even sure that they're frenemies. I think they just straight up hate each other at this point. <laughs> <laughs> they should, at least. <laughs> so I think this is cool, and, and I look forward to to getting to try this out on, on my Android phone when whenever my phone has all of the software on it.
1: Yeah, that sounds cool. I want to hear more about it once you get a chance to try it. All right. Well, you said we weren't going to talk about Apple news in the audio space, but we kind of are. It's just not music related. It's... Related to audiobooks, which we don't often talk about, but this is a really interesting story. Apple is starting to offer an audiobook service that lets you listen to books that they sell in their bookstore. And in case you didn't know or maybe even remember, yes, Apple still actually has a bookstore where you can buy digital books competes with Amazon. It competes with, I was going to say Audible, but that's also Amazon. right? And some of those are narrated with narrators similar to the way that Audible does it. But that is costly to an author to have a narrator commissioned to do the read of the book and get that put in the And if you don't sell enough, then that might not work out for an author very well. Apple's offering a new opportunity for authors to use, I'm sorry, I have to say this, an AI voice to read the books. So essentially, you get the book read to you by a computer, but it's called AI narration. And the idea being that they've taught through all these different books, this system, how to properly read and enunciate and emote the words that are a part of these books. How do you feel about this, Josh?
0: I'm excited about this. I, there are a lot of books that are, you know, much smaller demand books Almost always in the nonfiction space that I want to read, but they don't offer audiobook versions of them because they're, they're smaller audience books and the right. author didn't have the money to pay for narration. And basically, if a book isn't available as an audiobook, I'm probably not going to read it. So <laughs> right. that just means I'm not going to read the book. So yeah, I'm excited about this from a nonfiction okay. perspective.
1: Okay, but how do you feel about romance novels, Josh?
0: I don't read any romance novels.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because that's where they're starting. They're starting with romance novels and certain fiction genres. Some some fiction books, some novels and I think science fiction. So, it's interesting that they took that path first, and I wonder if the reason for that is that the language domain is going to be fairly consistent as opposed to when you get into nonfiction. Now you have to properly understand the vernacular to say business or travel or history or whatever it is, uh, science terminology and, and diction and everything else that is different from just telling a story.
0: Right. That's a really intriguing thought. I, I think you're probably right. Like you, you, you make a really good case for that. But I also think that it's in some ways more challenging to, to read a fiction book because if if you're just reading or narrating a nonfiction book, there's typically not a lot of emotion <laughs> in a nonfiction book. Right. Whereas in fiction, there's typically a lot of emotion. That's what makes fiction interesting and. I'm very curious how well this quote unquote AI narration is going to handle some of those situations.
1: Particularly in the romance novels, right? Like I'm (laughs) I'm holding myself back from (laughs) doing a computer voice trying to read a sexy scene, right? It's just And we're all thankful that you're
0: holding yourself back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. This is something that's available now. You can find them by searching for AI narration in the Apple Bookstore if you're interested in finding out more.
0: Yeah. Like this might actually make me get my first book from the Apple Bookstore just to try this out because that, like, I might at least start looking if I'm looking for a book. Oh, crap. Is Apple Books only available on Apple devices?
1: Yeah. So it's on your iPad.
0: Right. But, I don't walk around with my iPad, I guess. Oops. I guess with my Bluetooth headphones paired to it, I could probably just leave it in the middle of my house and be fine, but it doesn't help me as much in the car and all of that. So
1: So no romance novels for you.
0: <laughs> well, they are planning to bring uh, nonfiction and self-development books in the near future. So. I would probably be waiting for that anyway. (laughs) I'm definitely (laughs) not going to try this out on a romance novel. That's not happening. All right, well, let's run as fast as we can from that topic (laughs) and switch instead to a couple of gaming stories. This first one's kind of a quick one. Today, actually, Xbox announced an event that they're going to be holding later this month called the Xbox and Bethesda Developer Direct. And... It's an event happening January twenty fifth at three PM Eastern, where they plan to specifically talk about new content for Elder Scrolls Online, Forza Motorsport, Minecraft Legends, and Redfall from Arcane Studios. And I, <laughs> this one kind of feels like they, the the folks over at Bethesda and Xbox went, okay, guys, we get it uh you're getting nervous that we haven't really talked about any of these games in a while. We weren't at the video game awards to talk about any of them. We keep saying they're coming out in 2023, but we haven't even given you release dates for any of these things. Fine, we'll finally have an event and talk about these things. So uh if you're wondering uh what about Starfall or sorry, not Starfall, Starfield, isn't that supposed to come out in the first half? Yes. And that one, they recognize, is so large that they are working on a completely separate event for that. They have not announced a date for it, but they didn't want people to be disappointed by the fact that they were showing up for an event and wouldn't find out about the biggest game that they're going to release maybe this year, but at least in the first half of this year. So I'm excited about a couple of these games, Forza Motorsport and Minecraft Legends, at at, at least. so. I'll be curious to see what they announce. I'm really hoping that they're going to give us release dates for all of these because I think they're all supposed to be first half games. So, kind of need some dates here, guys. All right, that's it for that. And then the other one. This is another CES story that was definitely one of the the biggest stories in the gaming or gaming related space, and that is that HTC announced a new VR and Potentially AR headset. And this one is called the HTC Vive XR Elite. And it is a standalone headset like MetaQuest and and all of those types of headsets where it does not need to be paired with anything else. Although you can pair it to a PC or an Android phone if you want. It's not cheap. This is going to be an $1,100 device when it launches in late February although that's still less expensive than the MetaQuest Pro. I believe that's $1,500. And it's definitely going to have the tech that you're looking for. It has 110 degree field of view, 2K resolution per eye at 90 hertz refresh rate, and 12 gigs of RAM on board, along with 128 gigs of storage. It also looks a little different. Instead of looking like a giant pair of ski goggles strapped to your face, it looks a little bit more like glasses. Now they're still large and and deep and stuff. It it doesn't look like exactly like the glasses that Richard's wearing right now, but definitely smaller, definitely less bulky. And while the battery is largely contained in the strap that would go around the back of your head, you can disconnect the strap and instead put Glasses style arms on the side of this thing, and just wear them like glasses. If you wire, you know, run a wire between the the headset itself and like a USB C phone charger that maybe you've got in your pocket, which might make it more comfortable for you because you don't have as much weight on your head at at the time. But they're also less bulky and and less heavy. These things weigh three hundred forty grams. I don't know about you. I have no idea how much a gram weighs, but that is less than half the weight of the Quest Pro. So that should definitely aid in the comfort department. And then the other interesting thing about this is if you wear glasses, but your prescription isn't incredibly strong, you might be able to wear these just fine without your glasses because they have adjustable lenses on them that can compensate in the same way that your glasses do. Now, eyeglass prescriptions are another thing I don't know anything about, but the article that we're going to link to says that it'll support us as a prescription of negative six or less. I, I I don't know what that, like, do you know what that means? You wear glasses. Yeah, that's
1: that's actually pretty good. So <laughs> this is very similar to binoculars. If you have a good pair of binoculars, you want them right against your eyes. So the lenses themselves compensate for deficiencies in your own eyesight. Hmm. This is very smart. I think it's a clever way of handling this. I'm curious how they're handling it. Like one of the things that I know that they do is alignment. So my problem with my eyes not being aligned properly, they adjust for that too, because each eye, Whole, if you will, or each, <laughs> each, each view lens <laughs> is specifically, um, aligned to how you're looking at it. And, uh, so this really kind of seems like the best of all worlds there. You know, you're, you were trying to describe these. I think I would probably describe the look as something like a, uh, like a, a heavy ski goggle. Is what it looks like. Oh, and speaking of heavy, the equivalent weight that you were looking for is about twelve ounces. So not that bad.
0: Okay. Yeah that that's not awful. Uh, See, when I look at them, I I think they almost look more like steampunk style welding goggles. Yeah, yeah. Okay, (laughs) I could get that too. Yep. Yeah, which might exactly be your look depending on who you are. Yeah, and so while it looks like an incredibly power VR system, it does have front-facing cameras that will and a depth sensor that will enable it to do augmented reality, although it sounds like maybe not quite at launch, because that camera will just project whatever it sees on the screen on the inside. So could be some really cool augmented reality use cases from these goggles also.
1: But even as something that you could just flip on temporarily, let's say you're on an airplane and you have these things on, right? If the flight attendant comes by and is talking to you or something, it's just like having to pause your audio or, uh, you know, turn off your noise canceling. You want to be able to communicate with them. Same sort of thing. If you could see through to the real world, interrupting whatever it is that you're looking at, that, in itself, is a cool feature
0: I want to see the flight attendants look on their face when you turn your head with these things on and start talking to them when it won't they won't be able to tell that you can see them <laughs> because oh, that's the best part you're still wearing the goggles <laughs> <laughs> oh man that that could definitely lead to some fun interactions, all right, well, like I said, these are coming out like. This is CES and they're saying late February. So that's really soon for That means CES at CES least the
1: first time. half of the year.
0: I I bet it'll be pretty close to that. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they hit that date cuz it's this is a real company. It's not like it's the first product of this kind from that company. I I bet they actually make the date. All right, well that is going to do it for our news this week. So let's jump into what's been going on in our entertainment centers.
1: I think I mentioned that the last time that I was away, the remote on our Apple TV stopped working literally the day that I left. And we've been having more and more problems with this. This is the new Apple TV, and of course it comes with that newer remote. It's constantly disconnecting all the time. And I have no idea what's causing it. I've done the reconnection process, we've charged it, that Kind of, you know, gets it working again, but it has a full charge. It's not a charging problem. So I don't know what's going on with it, and it's really infuriating me. Conveniently enough, we just received a new remote control in the mail that I had pre-ordered from Flerk TV. And if you've never heard of this, uh, don't feel left out. It's not something that I knew much about. I learned about it from the guys over at HomeTech. And they talked about this new Skip One remote that they were going to be releasing soon. And so I pre-ordered one. It was $42. Whoa. It is programmable from a Mac or a PC via a USB cable. And what I imagine to be some sort of electron app or something that runs on your desktop and lets you define different activities, and then program all the buttons the way you want them. You can program button sequences on it. It's pretty slick. The remote itself feels nicely balanced, nicely weighted. With the exception of the back button, nearly everything on the remote is where I would want it to be. And since you can program things the way you want them, You can just move stuff and just know that, oh, that thing that looks like a menu, that's actually the button, the back button, and I'm going to use it that way. So we've been using, well, I've been using that, and I've been testing that out before I hand it over to say, here, now you try it. I need to make sure that it's like (laughs) bulletproof. And so far, so good. I'm really happy with it. A $42 remote that may just have managed to replace the harmony that i never set up in this house so i will you know follow up on this in the future and let y'all know what i think about it but so far so good i'm impressed
0: yeah that is that is really interesting so you have to program it from a computer there's not like a mobile app that allows you to program it correct okay and and it comes with a little USB dongle for that. Does the US yep. is the USB dongle used for anything other than programming it? Nothing. Okay, so it's not like you have to plug that into something else in your entertainment center, and that's the thing that's actually broadcasting the signal or anything.
1: Nope. Huh. And it's charged by normal uh, AAA batteries, and it comes with batteries. So I- I- I'm thoroughly impressed with this thing. I think you know how I feel about, well, this wasn't exactly a crowdfund, but pre-order stuff can be iffy. And I thought, you know, $42. I can afford to lose $42 if it turns <laughs> out not to be that great. right? But it is a solid, solid feeling remote that I'm really happy with. And by the way, um, two-fifths of what I paid for the cheapest, crappiest little replacement remote control for uh, – to be able to control the range hood f- because we lost the one that came with the range hood and you can't reach up to it because it's <laughs> too far away. So, wow. um, yeah. So, 40 bucks. Uh Well spent so far, I think. We'll find out.
0: And – Uh, So I imagine this does infrared and RF and Bluetooth?
1: So it is infrared only, Mm. which is something to consider. So line of sight, you have to have line of sight. Now, it is really good. I can point it pretty much anywhere, and it does a really good job of getting to
0: the various devices. But a lot of devices are Bluetooth now.
1: Yeah, so it's not going to work if you have Bluetooth devices. So if you're using a Roku, this is not going to work. If you're using any other device that relies exclusively on Bluetooth, I use Apple TV and we have an LG TV and a soundbar from Sonos. All of those things respond to infrared. Now, what I don't know is how much might possibly work as pass-through through HDMI CEC right. from your TV. Like that, that, kind of control may be possible. I have no experience with that, so I don't know what to tell you on that.
0: (laughs) Right. And with HDMI CEC, your mileage may vary broadly. (laughs) Right.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Huh. So, all right. Moving on to stuff that we've been consuming content-wise, watch the next episode of Ghosts, good as always. Watch what I believe to be the Season finale for Mythic Quest, this season was good. It wasn't great. It didn't live up to the first season. I think I would probably rank this third of the three seasons in that order. First, second, and third <laughs> season. So I hope fourth isn't fourth best, because then I don't know that I'm going to stick with it. But we'll see. We – um I have been watching National Treasure, Edge of History, watched another episode of that. They have continued to keep that interesting, so I'm happy about that. I finished Our Flag Means Death, and I hope it's season one of Future Seasons, because they set it up well to go into Future Seasons, and it was very fun, very cool. The finale was actually a lot of fun, and Quite unexpected, the way it played out. So I would encourage folks to look into that. I also finished Hawkeye. I don't know why this didn't get more attention. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed this six-episode special series. I thought it was well done. I thought it helped to further advance the story and help you understand the backstory of Hawkeye the same way that the um, – what was the movie that I just watched? Okay, I don't remember. But uh, the the <laughs> Black Widow, there we go. Yeah. Uh, the way that the Black Widow did as well for Natasha. So I, I think that these, these side stories are helping to develop these characters more, uh, which is interesting because at this point we don't know if we're going to see Hawkeye in – near future productions. So who knows what's going to become of that?
0: At least not portrayed by Jeremy Renner.
1: Right. Right. So we'll have to see. All right. Um, We got back to New Amsterdam since we finished a bunch of stuff, and that is coming up to its actual series finale. I have checked and double-checked and triple-checked, and yes, this is the end of the series coming up it has 13 episodes i think i'm up to 7 right now so i hope to be caught up by that by next week when it finishes been watching jack ryan and enjoying that and watched two movies we rewatched john carter you ever see john carter no
0: that's it on disney it is a right?
1: widely panned disney movie yeah that is fun it was it had some interesting concepts. It feels like a story that we've already heard before, but it was interesting nonetheless. And also finally watched Dear Evan Hansen, which I've wanted to see for a while now. It's a musical. It was over two hours, so it was a bit of a slog. And I, I liked it. It was a weird film. It's a film adaptation of... A, I believe, Broadway or off Broadway musical. And it has very good messages. I just don't know how good of a film it was. Hmm. So, and I should have expected that because that was yet another Paramount recommendation on Big Brother. And then finally, <laughs> I have continued to listen to Space 1969 on Audible, which is that kind of radio space story that I'm thoroughly enjoying now. And I will let you know how I feel about that. I'm going to be driving down to our rental property this weekend, so hopefully finishing
0: that very shortly. Cool.
1: How about you, Josh? What have you been up to?
0: Uh, On the game side... Mostly Call of Duty and NHL, but I did try out something different. Um, there's a game that I keep hearing everybody in the gaming space talking about called Vampire Survivors, and everyone always describes it as a combination of a roguelite and a bullet hell game. And I've always said, well, I don't like either of those genres, so I'm not going to check this out. It's obviously not for me. And it has retro style graphics, which I also typically don't get into but it's on Xbox Game Pass and so I decided let's just give it a try like if everybody loves this so much let's give it a try it is so much fun <laughs> like yeah, i i can't even completely explain why i love it so much but it is it is really fun it is now expanded it's been on PC for a while it's on Game Pass it's now on mobile i don't think it plays nearly as well on mobile But the the gameplay is pretty simple. You actually only need one hand. All you do is move your character. All of the like shooting and all of that stuff is automatic based on your weapon and stuff. And it's also... It it works in pretty bite-sized chunks. Like, if you don't have three hours to sit down and play a game, the longest a run can last in Vampire Survivors is about 30 minutes. After 30 minutes... Like every single minute, a new death, like Grim Reaper death character spawns and they're basically impossible to beat. So (laughs) you have to start over. So that's cool. I haven't made it past 10 minutes. I'm not good or 11 minutes. I'm not good at this game yet, but it's really cool. And I'm definitely going to be playing more of it when I'm in between games of NHL or whatever. So Check that out if you haven't yet. I feel like I'm the last person on the planet to check out Vampire Survivors. In terms of watching TV, a little bit of football. The Lions had hoped to make the playoffs. They weren't entirely in control of their own destiny, but I still watched that game. They won, didn't make the playoffs, so i probably mostly done with NFL football until the Super Bowl at this point, and also watched the college football national championship game. It's hard to even call that a game. Uh, Georgia absolutely <laughs> decimated TCU, um, and because I was done with those, I canceled YouTube TV the next day because what? I because I, I don't like I have no reason to continue to pay sixty five dollars a month for YouTube TV, huh? I I watched World Cup. It's over. I watched a lot of college football that was on ESPN. That's all over. I don't really have much of a need for ESPN or or any of these other stations anymore. Huh.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I need my news and my HGTV.
0: (laughs) Right. If I really wanted the news, I would probably just use like CBS News app or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's good enough for me. And isn't HGTV on one of the streaming services? Mm, What? Well, like... The, the shows that are on HGTV. Because it's not like you're watching anything live on HGTV. You're just watching endless replays of House Hunters and stuff, right?
1: <laughs> well, right. I mean, it's live in that it's, again, programming. And some of it is new. Some of it is reruns. But it's just background noise. Like right. I like
0: having it on. But if it's just background noise, wouldn't... Catalog copies of those episodes work, like it, yeah,
1: maybe. But I, I don't, don't even know, know where I'd go for anything. that. Right? Yeah, I don't know. You I don't know? know. I think it's a Comcast property, so maybe Peacock.
0: If you search on Plex, I bet it would tell you.
1: <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> there we go. Plex is for seriously it's the center the way. Yeah. of my media universe. I
0: I I pull out Plex on my phone regularly to see where I can watch things. it It is a very easy way for me to find that. So huh. yeah, it works well. And then I add it to my watch list. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Um, not listening to any audiobooks or anything like that. So that's pretty much it. You'll notice though, that Jack Ryan is not in that list or anything else uh, in, in terms of watching things. And that's because, as I mentioned last week, I've been treating myself to Jack Ryan while training for this marathon. I hurt myself. <laughs> yeah. I, um, Saturday morning, I woke up and my Achilles tendon hurt so bad I could barely walk. So I have been trying to rest and ice and take care of that over the last few days so that I can get back to training. So there there have been no <laughs> long sessions on my treadmill. <clears throat> to to be watching things like jack ryan so hopefully i'm gonna be able to run again really soon and i can get back to jack ryan because it was really good and i miss it but i'm restricting myself to watching on the treadmill so that it's like encouraging me to actually do the work (laughs) it's my reward
1: see now you have me i need to watch an episode tonight again
0: it's so good it's so good All right, well, that's what's going on in my entertainment center, and that's pretty much it for this show. So if you want to follow us online, I'm on Twitter at Josh Pollard, and the website is on Twitter and Instagram at DigimediaZone. Richard is only on Mastodon now at Richard Gunther. I'm on Mastodon also uh, with the name Josh Pollard. Last I checked, we're still the only two Richard Gunther and Josh Pollards out there on Mastodon, so not hard to find us. But the links for all of those are in the show notes over at our website, www.thedigitalmediazone.com. And we'll have links to everything that we talked about there. You can also find our live show there. We record this live eh, Tuesday or Wednesday nights around 8.30 p.m. Eastern. All of that is in flux right now. Like We didn't even start all that close to 8.30 tonight because life is kind of crazy right now. But follow us on social and we're tweeting and tooting and boosting and all of the different things that you do (laughs) on social media now uh, about when the show is going to be live. But that is going to do it for episode 611. He's Richard Gunther and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios.
1: Goodbye.